0: Glory, 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 glory. Are you all blessed this morning? Are you happy to see another day? Are you happy in Jesus? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As I said earlier, today is Father's Day, and for all of the fathers in the house today, I want to say to you, happy Father's Day. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes, sometimes men don't get the, quite the honor and respect that, that we deserve. We Amen. tend to, somehow or another give more respect to mama than we do to daddy. And that's kind of off balance. Amen. Praise the Lord. For a lot of situations, hey, if it were not for daddy, the house wouldn't be as stable as it is. Amen. A lot, not every situation. Thank God for praying women. We thank God for women who know how to honor their men, even in their failures, because nobody is perfect. Praise the Lord. There's always another side to the story. (laughs) Hallelujah. Somebody tell your neighbor, there's always another side to the story. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord. Thank God for creating us in his image and his likeness. Amen. And using us for his glory many times in the midst of our failures and our shortcomings. And husbands and wives, mothers and fathers have to learn to respect each other and honor each other. Amen. Uh, In our relationships so that we don't give the wrong impression to our children and set the wrong message to the world. Amen. Praise Jesus. You take that for what it's worth. <laughs> Amen. So I'm grateful today. I'm grateful today. I, I, you know, I, I'm just reflecting on a lot of things that I've heard recently uh, as relates to, to fathers and Father's Day even, some things that people have said and images that have been put on Facebook, which is very, very true in the way we do things. My wife pointed out to me one day when I said, I'm going to mama's house. She pointed out that you're going to your daddy's house too. We're so accustomed to saying mama's house, you know, and, and I, you know, as I reflect back on my father, thank God for my mother who never worked outside of the home until we, the older children were out of the house. So daddy brought home the bacon. Daddy plowed the fields. That is a revelation I got of my father when I was angry with him about some things. One day the Lord woke me up and said, think about your daddy. He may have never hugged you. He may have never told you he loved you. But in his, in his own way, he demonstrated love. I used to think about how my dad would get up at four o'clock in the morning, even in the wintertime, make sure the house was warm, went out to cut pulpwood. And that was the day before they had loaders. And those men would load those trucks by hand all the way to the top. Springtime daddy would come home after working all day long, hook up the mule and get behind the mule and go to the field and plow up the field. I mean, acres. The Lord said, does your daddy have to say, I love you? (laughs) After all of that, he did. So I thank God for a revelation because I was a little bit angry with my daddy because I thought he loved my older brother more than he loved me. Mm. Sometimes we don't see the things that are done to demonstrate love. For those of us who have both parents, we have to honor both of them equally. Amen, praise the Lord. I'm not preaching about Father's Day today, but I'm preaching about Father's Day. (laughs) Because the message is suitable for any day. So I'm preaching Father's Day, Mother's Day, Children's Day, Youth Day, Choir Day, Usher Day, every day. Hallelujah. We're going to go to the book of 1 Peter. Amen. And uh, uh, this is a a detailed message. And it's it's a message that will have to be finished next Sunday, Elder Hoskins. Amen. <laughs> or oh, one of these ministers. <laughs> Hallelujah. So pay attention. Amen. First Peter, and I'm going to pick up at verse 13 uh, in First Peter chapter one. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all manner of conversation. Well, I wasn't looking at what my Bible says, I read. I think that's King James. You also be holy in all your conversation, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's works, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, because you... in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers or from your ancestors or from your family, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. I want to stop right there, and we'll see how much of this the Lord allows me to, to treat. But I want to use for thought today, preparing for the return of Christ. Long-haul faith. Long-haul faith. You know what long-haul means? Yeah. I could have switched it around and said long-haul faith, preparing for the return of Christ. All right. So, Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void. It will accomplish what you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Long haul faith, preparing for the return of Jesus Christ, or preparing for the return of Jesus Christ, long haul faith. So last Sunday, uh, we dealt with God's unfulfilled plans. And and how we must hold on to see those plans fulfilled. Okay. Meditating on this, the Lord took me to First Peter this week. And here in this first chapter, Peter is encouraging, is encouraging the believers in Christ who are scattered throughout the various parts of the world to hold on to their faith in Christ and to look forward to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is this is a bit deeper than just. What we think about when we think about holding on to our faith. All right. The fact behind the encouragement uh, is that people must hold on to their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so that they're ready to go back with him and reign with him when he returns. All of this is tied together with the millennial reign. Okay. Uh, you see, the, the danger of losing hope, losing faith, and here Peter kind of ties hope and faith together uh, in this chapter. Um, the danger of, of losing hope and faith and slipping back uh, into the worldly ways was very real for these believers in that day, as it is today, because Jesus didn't come back as quick as they thought he was going to come. Now, here we are, thousands a thousand or so years later, a little over 1,000, almost 2,000 years later maybe, uh, Jesus still has not returned. Think about it. If it was critical in that day, and we've been preaching, the church has been preaching this gospel over the course of these years, and Christ has not yet returned, it's more critical today. Holding on to your faith, not slipping back into worldly ways. Uh, and it was critical for the apostles to help people see how valuable their faith really was uh, uh, and to encourage them to hold on for the end result. Can someone say end result? The end result of their salvation. Salvation is here now. We're saved now, but there's an end result of our salvation. Amen, that we hold on. And the apostles were encouraging them to hold on in spite of how things appeared. Okay, Uh, Peter says that that this faith is more valuable than gold, uh, which perishes even though it's refined by fire. Our faith is more valuable than gold. And and that's not the way people think. People, People don't compare faith and gold. You know, but our faith is more valuable than gold, okay? People will play the lottery to try to win a big one. They forget about their faith because for most people, money in this world is more valuable than faith. Mm. People will sell out for money. People will compromise for money. Even people in the faith will compromise for money because In their mindset, money in this life is more valuable to them than God. It's like, you know, God will forgive me, so I can go ahead and do this. That's the mindset of a lot of people. Um, And and as I talk about this, I'm reminded that, that faith in Jesus Christ is so valuable that it affects every area of our lives, every area, the things that people really want. The things that people really search for in life, amen, we obtain those things uh, through an abiding faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, abiding faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We look for love, we look for joy, we look for peace, we look for purpose, we look for a solid home life, we want a good marriage, you know, all of those are found in an abiding faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't understand how people who are saved and love the Lord think that they're going to find a good home life and a good marriage by marrying someone who doesn't love Jesus. I don't understand it. It may sound very super religious, uh, but, but I don't understand it. You know, but we, we look for these things, you know. People, people want money because they think money will give them happiness. Find Jesus and let Jesus give you happiness. And then, then with what he has given you, you learn to be content, amen. You know you don't have to watch television to see people buying an island, and then in your mind you think you're gonna buy an island. You don't need an island, they didn't need an island. Because God didn't create us to be alone. They just didn't have anything else to do with that money. Or they want to be separated from everybody else, whatever. The reason you don't need an island, you can't hardly take care of the little house you got. Won't keep your grass cut, you know. <laughs> so you watch television, you see these images on TV. And it's, it's not just in this day. We did the same thing. I mean, I'm not preaching about something that I haven't done. I've done the same thing. You know, the reason that I, well, I know, listen, let me preach my message. All right. Yeah. Because if I start talking about those reasons, we'll be here a little while longer. But, but we, we've done the same things because we allow television and, and that's what's happening in the world today. We are allowing television. We're allowing the, 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 the personalities on TV. We are allowing Hollywood. We are it, allowing the philosophies of the, of the world that's communicated through the airways to influence the way we think in the body of Christ when it should be the other way around. We should be influencing the world. We really should be influenced in the world. But those things that we look for, the love, the peace, I mean, all of us want peace. All of us do. You don't like living in a house of confusion. You don't want to be on your job in confusion. You know, if you like me, you don't even want noise. I mean, when I'm home alone, the television is off. There's no radio, there's no music playing because I need to be at peace with the Lord. Now, when my wife is there, that's fine because I love my wife and she likes noise. But when I'm alone, I want peace. When I'm riding down the highway, just give me the quiet and the road noise of the tires on the highway because I can seem to hear God better. I like peace. I like peace. I like joy. I like to be happy. I love to be loved, and I love to lo- That's what we look for in life, but we look for it in the wrong places. And then most people want to go to heaven. Most people. I don't care how people lived. I don't care how they've done, whatever. When they die, people are talking about they're in heaven. But we want to go to heaven without the one who is the only way we can get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except he come by me. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. But people today want to go to heaven, but they don't want Jesus. Jesus is really, we see it today. We see it very clearly today that Jesus is a stumbling stone. Jesus is the rock of offense for a whole lot of people in this world. Talk about God. Don't mention the name Jesus. Don't mention, don't pray in the name Jesus. You can pray. Come and pray for this service, but just, just don't mention Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, So, but what we look for in life, we find in Jesus Christ. And people with an abiding faith in Jesus have found that love, that joy, that peace, that happiness, that contentment, and have found eternal life. Yeah. Sometimes we look at Christians and we, we hear Christians, I mean, non-Christians talk, not Christians, non-Christian talk, and, and people will say, uh, when they look at us and the things that we go through in our lives, and sometimes even our own, even our sinfulness, because we, even though we're saved, we still sin. We may not want to sin, we may not live in sin. Sin may not be our practice and it should not be our practice, but sometimes we sin. People look at us and say, "Why should I be a Christian? Christians are going through, they're, uh, they're going through the same things that I'm going through. Yes, maybe, yes and maybe, but not all the time. okay? There is a difference when a Christian has an abiding faith in Jesus Christ and trusts the Lord wholeheartedly, we do go through. But we have someone who's with us in the midst of our going through. We're not going through this alone. And it's not just another person. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. When we go into the fire, the Lord is right there with us in the fire. We know the Lord is with us in the fire. I mean, I don't care. You may go through so long you start questioning, but your faith lets you know that God is with you through the fire, that God will keep you in the midst of the fire, and glory to God, that that you're going to... that God is going to bring you out on the other side of this fiery trial a much better person. How many of us in here today have not gone through th- have gone through things and not come out better? We've come out better. We've come out better. We've come out more equipped to live for God and to minister to others before that trial ever happened in our lives. Genuine, genuinely abiding in faith so positions us that, that, that when we go through the fire, we know God is there with us. Peter mentions the fact that the believers may have to suffer grief, and we need to hear this a lot. We need to hear this a lot, that believers may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials uh, because of their faith and because their faith needs to be strengthened And proven to be genuine. It doesn't need to be proven to God to be genuine. It needs to be proven to us to be genuine. I need to know I have a genuine faith. So the Lord allows me to go through. He even allows the devil to attack me. Because the devil couldn't attack me unless the Lord allowed it. Right? To prove to me that my faith is genuine. That's why you can't break under your trials. You can't can't give up in the midst of your test. All right? You can't stop listening when the air conditioning is cold. (laughs) Pay attention, saints. Amen? Amen. The only way to really know that your faith is strong is that it is tested. It's tested. And God will allow you to go through tests. However, he will shield you by his power until the coming salvation. I want you to get something in here. Until the coming salvation. And the result of your proven faith is praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed, as he says here. Or when Christ comes again. And we see him as he is. All right? Now, if you pay attention to what Peter is saying here, or to what the word is saying here, uh, It is not just encouraging believers for the next week. It's not just encouraging you for next month. It's not just encouraging you simply to go through the next trial. He is encouraging you and me for the long haul. The long haul. The long haul. Now I know through every trial it pushes you for the long haul, but there's something in here about this long haul. Let me just go a little bit further. He's encouraging us for the, for the, for the, for the long haul, okay? Uh, uh, encouraging them for the, the far look. The hymn writer said something to the effect as he talked about heaven. A country far from mortal sight, yet all oh, by faith I see. So I'm not just looking at my salvation for where I am right now and right here. I'm looking way into the future. I'm looking, I'm looking at the end result of my faith. I'm looking to the end of this journey and even to the end where I've lived such in this life, I've trusted God such in this life that the Lord says, well done, good, good and faithful servant. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? Well, right, let me just go a little bit further. The, Peter is encouraging the believers not just for the here and the now. Because if you're only focusing on here and now, you're going to miss something. Well, let me just go a little bit further. This is what John in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 is communicating to us. He says, Dear friends, now we are the children of God And what we we shall be or what we will be has not yet been made known. King James says what we shall be has not yet appeared. But we know that when Jesus shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then he says, everyone who has this hope in himself or in him or in her purifies himself. So if my hope is in the return of Jesus and my hope is in the end result of my salvation, if my hope is to be with the Lord and reign with him, I purify myself because of this hope, not just to be successful for tomorrow, not just to get a new job. You know how people pray, pray for me, I need a new job. Big people get sick and go to the hospital and say, Lord, if you bring me through this, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Just, just shut up, because you don't mean that. If you hadn't made the commitment to serve the Lord for the rest of your life before you get sick, then you get sick, you're not gonna, and you get well, you're going to forget about God. And the whole point of this is that you don't forget that your faith is such that you're looking to the end. Let me go a little bit further. The important point of this message is that we are not to lose hope. We're not to be discouraged by the things that we see and experience in this life. Nor are we to be discouraged by the delay in Christ's coming. That's a critical point. If we lose hope, we slip back into the world. And live like Christ is a non factor Think about the number of people you've known in your life or that you know in your life who confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. And now they live like Christ is a non-factor in their lives. Just think about the number of people you know. You say, well, Bishop, we're not supposed to judge. No, you just call an apple tree an apple tree. You live like Christ is a non-factor in your life. It's because you've slipped back into the world. That's a dangerous place to be. No, that's a dangerous place to be. What happens when we slip back into the world is that we align ourselves with Satan. We don't say that we're doing that, but that's what we're doing because there's only two ways. And you're either for God or you're against God. If you're against God, you're on Satan's side. You say, well, I'm not against God. Well, check out the way you live. Because my faith is not just what I speak out of my mouth. My faith is what I live out in my life. Oh, Lord have mercy. So, so 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 what happens is we become God's enemy, and we will do more harm for the advancement of the to the advancement of the kingdom of Christ or the kingdom of God than we will further it alone. You see, when a professing Christian slips back into the world. Everybody who's been watching you, everybody who's heard your testimony is affected by you slipping away. I hope more people than than those of us who are in the sanctuary are listening to this message today. We affect those who've been watching us, those who've heard us preach, those who've heard us sing, those who've heard us testify, and now we slip back We become like Satan when he was kicked out of heaven and he took a third of the angels with him. When we slip back, we take people with us. We don't think about these things. We do what we want to do because we feel like this is our life. We live it the way we want to live, and God understands. But we've actually slipped away. And the further you slip, the harder it is to come back. Oh, huh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's so actually, we're, we're guilty of the sin of apostasy. We've fallen away from the Lord. So the Lord in this message today is stirring us up to, for the long haul, but he's doing it through talking to us about preparing for Christ's return. And we've got to do more in the church about talking about the return of Jesus Christ. And how we must live according to our faith if we really long for, look forward to, eagerly anticipate the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. So what is it that we need to, what is it that we need to do? Or know, maybe. You can take this as a doing sermon, a knowing sermon, or a being sermon. All right. Those are the kind of sermons they taught us about in seminary. All right. Whatever way you want to take it, but listen. Listen to what what the word of God says. The word of God says, set your hope fully on the grace to be given to us when Jesus is revealed. Now, what 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 Peter actually does that there are imperatives in his. So you go ahead and you read the, the imperative, but you go back and you get the understanding of it. So Peter says to us, Set your hope fully. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to us when Jesus is revealed, when Christ appears, when he comes back, all right? For those of us who are living, he's not talking about about those that are dead. For those who are living, make sure you set your hope or your faith fully, not wavering. To be set fully is to be full there, to be set exactly, concretely there. It's like a hen. I try to think of some examples to kind of explain this. You know, a hen, a a hen, a mother hen, when she lays eggs, she wants some babies, some baby chicks. So in order to do that, she has to sit on those eggs. And she sits on those eggs until those eggs hatch. (sighs) Get the word until. Get the word until. It's like a woman who's pregnant. All right. She has to wait nine months until full time, most of the time. I mean, so her attention is set, a good mother is set on taking care of that baby, taking care of her body, watching what she puts in her body, going to her doctor's appointment, doing everything necessary so that that baby comes forth healthy, set, fully set. It's like pouring cement. All right. You have to wait until it's fully set before you walk on it, before you drive on it, okay? Because you want to be able to use it without creating any problems in it. So it has to be fully set. Peter says, set your hope fully. Your hope, your faith, your anxious anticipation needs to be set fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus returns. We rejoice in salvation now. Oh God, I thank God I'm saved. Sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Got a burning desire to live right and not turn around. I pray you got a burning desire because it's going to take a burning desire. It's going to take a burning desire. And most of our churches that we don't even talk about a burning desire. People don't have a burning desire to live for Jesus. Oh, let me go on. Don't burn and a burning desire to live for Jesus. Whew. Your hope, which is your anxious anticipation, is on the return of Jesus. Your, your, your faith is on the return of Jesus. And it has to be set fully. What's gonna happen if this disc is pushed all the way? To the end of this thing. And somebody bumps up against it. It's gonna fall over. You wonder why people get so mad when folk offend them, when people say things they don't like. Their hope is not set fully. Because, see, when your, your hope is set fully on the return of Jesus, say what you want to say about me. I'm not turning away from Jesus. I'm not getting mad at the church. I'm not leaving the church. Uh 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 uh. No, say what you want to say about me. Call me anything you want to call me because I'm not living for you. I'm living for Jesus. Amen. I want to hear the Lord say, Well done. But my hope is set fully on the return of Jesus. I'm not on the edge. I'm not about ready to give up. You know, say one more thing to me. Just say one more thing. You walking around with a chip on your shoulder. Just say one more thing. I'm going to go to church Sunday and let, let her say something to me. You devil, you devilish spirit, that's all that is. You're on the edge. And when somebody bump you, you fall over. Your hope is not set fully on the grace That will be given to you. When? Somebody say when. Ooh. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, the grace of God that we're talking about is the same grace that brought us salvation. But it's the first part of your salvation. And I thank the Lord for this message because sometimes we are bought into. And, and, and I believe that if you're really saved. Then nothing can snatch you out of the devil's hand. But some people are buying into that once saved, always saved thing, and they ain't really saved. Some people have confessed Jesus with their mouths, but their hearts are far from him. So Jesus is not just looking at heart, heart, a lip confession, He knows your heart. And he's not looking to condemn you, he's not looking to push you away. He wants to draw you to him. So as he looks at your heart, he's working with you so that your heart is right. Whew. Yeah. So, so it has to be set fully on the grace that will be given to you when. Everybody say, when. when. Do you know when when is? Huh? Yeah? We are, on, we are on this journey called Christianity because of the saving work of God in Christ Jesus. It is not a sprint. It is a marathon. Are you listening? You didn't begin to go halfway. I hope you didn't. You didn't begin to go three quarters of the way. You began to go all of the way. And the Lord didn't tell you that going all of the way was going to be easy. As a matter of fact, he said, in the world you will have tribulation. In the world, people will bump you. In the world, Satan will attack you. But if your hope is set fully, when the bumps come, you go back to your resting place in Jesus. When the attacks come, you up, go back to your resting place in Jesus. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Ooh, God help us today, because you've got to stay in this thing until Jesus re- Jesus returns. Whew. You want to receive the prize when Jesus returns, when Jesus is revealed. Huh. In this in this chapter, in this, these verses, Peter uses some imagery here uh, because he talks about he talks about. Um, God's chosen as pilgrims. Well, you look up the definition of a pilgrim. A pilgrim is a person who journeys to a sacred place for religious reasons, who journeys. When you think about taking a journey, you're not talking about a stroll down the street. You ain't journeying nowhere. You're not talking about a walk around your neighborhood. You're not even talking about a three mile walk or twice around Cherry Park. You're talking about a long haul, you're talking about a long journey. So we are to obey the Lord because we are God's chosen pilgrims. Peter even uses the word begotten. Children begotten of the Father. So we have a special place in the Lord because God chose us in Christ. God, We are born again by the power of the Almighty God. We are begotten. We are begotten of the Father. And we have an untouchable inheritance. Our inheritance cannot be snatched away from us. There's nothing the devil can do to take us out of God's hand. But you can walk away from the Lord. You can walk away from the Lord. And we have a salvation that's so great that what would happen if we neglect the salvation. Hebrews Chapter 2, verse 3 says, how shall we escape if we neglect or if we ignore so great a salvation? How are we going to escape? People want to go to heaven without Jesus. How are they going to res- escape the wrath of God? How? How? And we've got to come to the point, saints of God, that there is nobody we love too much that we can't challenge them in their walk of faith. I can't love my son so much that I don't challenge him in the way he lives. Are you listening? Are you listening? I gotta, if I love him, I've got to challenge him. He may not do what I say, but he cannot say that I didn't tell him. And if he decides, if he decides to go to hell, that's on him. But I told him the truth. You got to tell your children the truth. If they get mad at you, let them get mad at you. You planted the seed. Amen. If you planted the seed, God will bring them back. If they listen, oof, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Amen. And, and, and what God is saying to us as he talks to us about being as begotten children in our salvation is that I'm with you in this process. You've got to remember that you're not doing this alone. You're not on this journey alone. I am with you every step of the way. It's by my grace. But there's a grace to be revealed when, when Jesus comes. So how do we do this? We set our faith fully on the grace to be given to us when Jesus is revealed. And so Paul, Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds, for, gird up. That, 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 I mentioned this on a prayer call Wednesday night. That scripture, gird up the low ends of your mind. Stays. It just keeps working in my heart and in my spirit. Peter is saying to the saints, prepare, prepare for action. When you become a Christian, you've got to prepare for action. Not five years down the road. And that's part of our problem in the church is that, that we're not reaching our babies. We're not reaching our children. We are not reaching our new believers in Christ and helping them prepare for action. We are acting like they, they need to become 15, 16, 20 years old before we start talking to them about the action that they need to be taken as a child of the Most High God. We're in a society where we, wanna, we don't want to push Christianity down anybody's throat. But let me tell you something. What your children learn in your home when they're little, those impressionable years, is what they're going to live out. That's why the Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go. And so, you know, a whole lot of people, you get saved after your children are already born. And maybe I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about them. We get saved after our children are already born. We get, we get convicted or we study more after our children are born. And now we have an epiphany, we have a change of heart, a change of mind, and now we're trying to reach them. And they're 20 and 30 years old. They ain't listening. Because they've already, if they join the church, if they confess Christ with their mouths, many of them have already slipped away. Oh, my children are sitting here now. Don't slip away from the Lord. Don't slip away. Don't slip away. It's hard to come back when you slip away. It's hard to listen. When you slip away, let me go a little bit further. You got to, you got to prepare your mind. So, 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 so he says, he says, us gird up the loins of your mind. Girding up was like, and if i worn a robe, did I kind of show you, but, but in those days, men wore long flowing garments. Amen. And so if they got ready to do some serious work, somebody say serious work. Or if they got ready to run, they would take that garment and they would guard, they would tuck it into the waistband, probably or something like that. Because you see, you can't do serious work when you have a long flowing garment. You can't even run well when you have on a long, flowing garment. I was watching some, I was, when I was in Kenya, I was watching some men, you know, who, ha, who were sagging. You know, one guy was trying to carry a, a five-gallon water jug on his shoulder, but he kept having to let go of the jug to pull his pants up. And the, and the Lord said to me, people who sag are not serious. I don't care if you think I'm 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 judging you, but people who say who sag I'm not serious about running, they're not serious about walking because it's difficult. When your pants, when the waist of your pants is down a below your butt, you can't run well. No, 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 you can't even work well. You gotta work in your own waist, pull it up your pants. The image is that if you're serious. When you get ready to do serious work, you gird up that you tie it up and you stick it in your you stick it in your waistband. Now your legs are free. Now you can bend without that garment being in the way. Amen. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This journey is not a casual stroll. Being a Christian is not a casual stroll. It's a long journey. That demands us to be serious and demands us to prepare ourselves for the journey. Hope will not become a this hope will not become a reality without disciplined thinking. It will not become a reality without disciplined thinking. Thinking in a new way does not happen automatically. Y'all listening? That's why it's taken some of us so long to get to where we are. Because it doesn't happen just like that. So you can come to church. Let me tell you about, you know, this is my perspective on a lot of things. Even when we hear one message, because I don't want you to think I'm really being difficult. And you don't, we can't tell you the full story. We can't preach the whole Bible on one Sunday. So if you don't continue in this thing and listen and study, and develop your theology, you can go wrong in one point. You've heard me teach before, basing your your hope and your faith on gospel songs develops bad theology. Because music has a way of staying in your mind and in your spirit. So we'll get a song like, Our God is Greater, Our God is Stronger, our God is what? Higher than any other. And then we get to the point if our God is for us, who can be against, who can stand against us? Which is the truth. But if I am out of the will of God, if I am not saved, if my theology is wrong from the start, that song doesn't apply to me. That song does not say until I get saved. But well, you could die. Between the time that you hear the song and get saved, dangerous, dangerous, very dangerous. Yeah, so, 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 this, this, this is serious work, and somehow or another, because you know, I've been just, just been thinking in my mind about, you know, our young people. You know, I think about how many of our young people are still around here and don't darken the door of the church not just tabernacle of praise at nobody's church, but not just not darkening the doors of the church, just living any kind of way and feel like it's all right. It's okay for me to do this. You know, this is what happens when you get to be a certain age. I mean, everybody else does it. That's a lie. But they're not serious. This, and, and, and even those of us in the church who do things undercover and behind closed doors that are not right, Serious, we're not serious. We, we, th- 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 this walk of faith takes intentionality. It, it takes concentration. It takes meditation. Because you, now you're trying to think in a new way. You were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Now you got saved. and it says we cannot wait until a, until a new believer turns five years old the faith. We have to start at the very beginning. There's living that you have to consider. How are you going to live as a believer? There's studying that you have to consider. How will you know the Lord and his ways unless you study? How do you prepare and set time aside to study? There's warfare that you're going to go up against. How do you prepare for the warfare? You don't wait until you get into the battle and then try to get prepared for warfare. This is serious. And then there's work to be done. There are others that need to be won. We have to consider this at the beginning. Paul says, prepare your minds. We've missed us so much. So we've got to get back on track. We have to begin to focus on the seriousness of the journey. Seriousness of the journey. Got to get back to it. And we need you. you know, you've, I've said this before when my son was younger. If you see my son doing something he had no business doing, don't agree with him in it. Tell him. I know people will get mad at you. We got to stop caring about people getting mad at us and tell the truth. Because you love the soul. Now, now he's older now, but I want you to know that I tell him when he's doing wrong. You can't agree with somebody's child in their wrongness because you want to be liked by them. We have to stand up for the truth. Because in the end, there's going to be a separation. We got to get back on track. We are saved today so that our salvation will result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Don't just think about making it to death. If I die, everything's going to be all right. When you die, you want to die in this faith because you've been looking, you've been looking to the end. Let me go to the next point so I can let you go and somebody finish up next week. Peter says in the scripture, in verse, I think it's verse 15, he talks about, he, but as, first of all, says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. So if, 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 if I'm going to have long-haul faith that will prepare me for the returning of Jesus Christ, or if I'm focusing on the return of Jesus Christ that will help me develop long-haul faith, I've got to make a decision to live holy now. Now. Not next week. Not next year. Not five years later. But now. Believers should set their hope fully on the end, I think the King James says, by being sober. But that, I know the NIV talks about about being sober, but that misses the metaphor that Peter is, is making in this chapter, okay? Peter's not saying that you should just refrain from drunkenness. Listen, there is a way of living that becomes dull to the reality of God that is anesthetized by the attractions of the world. You know what anesthesia is? You know, why, you know why doctors use anesthesia when you get ready to take an, have an operation? Because they don't want you to feel the pain. So there is a way of living that becomes dull to the reality of God. I'm talking about slipping away, when people slip away, when people slip into a lifestyle that's ungodly, this is so dangerous because they become anesthetized by the attractions of the world. Anesthetized to the pain that sin brings. Anesthetized to the danger that sin brings. Anesthetized, because the world looks so beautiful. It looks so beautiful. The world looks so beautiful. It looks like there's so much fun in the world. What fun is it? Going to church, listening to a preacher preach for an hour. Ain't no fun. It's not any fun until you develop a love of Jesus. When I sat and listened to Dick Gregory when I was in college, and listened to Dick Gregory speak for two hours, Here, I, that, that was over forty-something years ago. And I remember that day in the auditorium when Dick Gregory spoke. I don't think I was preaching there. But if I could listen to a man talk about politics and other things for two hours, I could listen to a preacher for an hour. As long as he's saying something, I had to bring my mind back. Amen the attractions of the world. I mean, I heard a lady say one time about her sister who was a preacher at one point. She said, yeah, she went to New York and the lights got her. She saw the big lights of the city. She forgot about Jesus. Some of y'all might know who I'm talking about. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah! The world. Partying. Going to the clubs. You know, going out with your friends, drinking, carousing sex. All of it just feels so wonderful. Then you begin to say eh, 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 uh, if, 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 if why is this if, if, if God knew that this would be so good, why did he give me this desire? He gave it to you so you could get married and enjoy the marriage bed. Not to enjoy every Tom, Dick, and Harry that came along and Susie and Mary. So, so, so fill in the blanks anesthetized by the attractions of this world, the anesthesia of of, of sin and the the attractions of the world. And and, and that way of life, people become lulled into drowsiness. They don't don't sense what sin is doing. They're lulled away. It's amazing what sin can do for us. And you wonder why, why sin can do this? Because we're born in sin. We have a sin nature. And whenever we start feeding that sin nature, it's easy to slip away. Then you try to tell people you need to come back. Mm -mm. No, why does I go back to the church? They see everything wrong with everybody in the church. I keep saying that's foolishness because if I'm sick, take me to the hospital. I'm not looking at every room in the hospital to see who has what. Take me. I need to see a doctor. I need help. But you got to realize that you're sick. If you've been anesthetized, you don't realize. You don't realize that you're sick. So in this state of drowsiness, people slip away. They slip away from the word of God. They slip away from studying the word. It's, 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 it, and it's easy to do. It's easy to slip away from church school. Slip away from worship. Just just slip. Just slip away. Yeah. Slip away from fellowshipping with other believers and get wrapped up in sin far, far, far away from God. In this state of being, Christianity means nothing. Church means nothing. Living holy means nothing. God means nothing. The person has fallen away from God and from the faith. We need to stop trying to fix it up. They've fallen away. They're in sin. The devil has blinded their minds again. So Paul says, Peter says, in order to avoid this happening, because it will happen, live holy now. And living holy means not being conformed. Do not conform. To the worldly way. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he said, you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do. So people who are living in the world are living like pagans. Heathens. We don't want to call it that, but that's what the Bible calls it. Heathens. The heathens do these things. People that don't know Jesus, they do these things. Whew. Living in debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies and carousing and, and all types of de- detestable idolatries. And he says, they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the flood of wild indulgences. And I really believe that there's a great influence, a spirit that's across this world today, that's 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 catching so many, especially of our young people who are afraid to stand up for what they believe in. They get around their friends, and their friends say, man, why, why don't you do this? Why are you not doing this? Oh, come on, take a drink. It's all right. They think it's strange. They think it's strange. But they will have to give an account to him who judges the living and the dead. Hmm. So what Peter is saying here, that being a Christian is not a passive life. It's not passive. You have got to be active. You've got to actively resist the world's way. You've got to actively resist the devil. You've got to actively live as light in the midst of darkness. You must actively build yourself up on your most holy faith. You must actively mature in the Lord. You must actively become strong in the power of his might. You must actively live up to the standard that Jesus Christ has set for us. You must actively discern spirits. Amen. You must actively yield to the Holy Spirit you must actively study the word of God you must actively fast and pray you must actively encourage yourself in the faith because the wages of sin is still death sin when desire is conceived it still brings forth sin And sin, when it is full-grown, still brings forth death. Long-haul faith. Long-haul faith. As we focus on preparing for Jesus to return, we need long-haul faith. And it doesn't start 15 years down the road after you get saved. It has to start in the beginning. It has to start with a serious walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Seriously taking this journey for what it is. Seriously deciding to live holy. We were counseling one of the young people and two of the young people when I was in DR because they had begun to associate one of them with a relative who was not saved. And the pastor basically said to the young man, you have to stop associating with her. I know this is your cousin, but you have to stop associating with her. He said, when she comes around, Pick up your Bible and start reading. That's how serious this walk of faith is. Because even our relatives will pull us away. If we're not careful. If a person is young in the faith, I'm sitting there thinking, this is a difficult thing for this young person to do. But I'm thinking from an American perspective. You see, we've already lost our children. Some of us. Because of our mindset, we don't want to make a meat right. How do you cook a special menu for your children? Because I love my child. Mm. <laughs> That's something called submission that you start learning at home. You're in the military. You go to the mess hall. You're going to eat what's there if you're going to eat. That's called submission and discipline. This journey requires discipline that a lot of us don't have. We don't have it. We, We have some changing that we have to do and some tough things that we have to hear. I found out that if you listen to the Holy Ghost, you'll hear those tough things before somebody else has to tell you. But if you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll send somebody your way. Now You can get angry, you can walk away, you can say, who will you to say this to me? Or you can submit. Oh, I do understand. Why? Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few, few there be who find it. He said, Bishop, well, what's the, what's the reason for me going to church? Prayerfully, as you hear the word of God and are challenged by the Spirit of God, and as you grow in the Lord, you will submit to the Lord. This journey. It's not just the next week. Until Jesus comes. Do you know when your death date is? If you knew when your death date was, you could wait. You could just carouse to live whatever. Just wait. Then at the end, you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> the devil is a lie. Because you're still gonna be lost cause your heart. But one of the lessons taught us that God gives us a lifetime to repent. The problem is we don't know how long our lifetime is going to be. But never repent just to keep from going to hell or just to escape God's wrath. You sincerely repent because you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that God loved you enough that he would fix it so that the righteous requirement of the law would be satisfied for you. That's love. You don't have to satisfy the righteous requirement of the law. You don't have to die for your sins because you can't save yourself. Jesus took your place on the cross. When your heart is right, I'm not saying you won't have struggles. I'm not saying that living holy now is not going to be a struggle for you. It's going to be a struggle, but Holy Spirit is there to help you. Definitely for those of us who've been playing with the Lord, those of us who've been playing around with our faith, it becomes a struggle when you make up your mind that you want to live holy. But you've got to remember Holy Spirit is there to help you. Long haul. Long haul. Make sure your hope is set fully on the grace that will be revealed or that is to be revealed when Jesus appears. We don't know how long that when is. Make sure you live holy now. I know there's a lot in this message and I know I preached a long time. Not longer than I normally preach but Now, listen to it again. Go back and study the chapter. Study the chapter. Study it with a commentary so you read it right. There's some changes that we have to make as believers, so that we can hold out to the end. Which means now, while I'm alive, I need to set my hope fully on Jesus. That's when it happens, right now. That's going to change my perspective. I'm not living from week to week. My focus is down the road, it's on Jesus. Kind of like in the lesson Wednesday night, when the man was talking about the father teaching his carpenter, teaching the young man how to to keep from him the storm when he drives a nail. No, the man teaching the son how to plow a straight row. He said, keep your, keep your, keep your focus on the, on the nail, not on your thumb. Man teaching the son how to plow a straight row. Focus on something fixed at the end of the field. You'll plow a straight row. So I keep my focus fixed on Jesus. I'll plow a straight row. But whenever I waver to the right, Waver to the left. My life is full of curves. Thank God for grace. Some people won't make it back. Some people will slip away into into apostasy and won't make it back. If you love souls, You don't want anybody to be lost. Try. Try. At least try to talk to people. Try to tell them the truth. For them to listen it's on them. You can't force them. But tell them the truth. And truth is not relative. Don't buy into that. Speak the word of the Lord. Because in the end, God's word is what stands. Popular doctrine, popular philosophies won't stand. Your opinion will not stand. I know I got to end. I posted on Facebook the other day Jehovah never makes mistakes. Never. He didn't make a mistake when he created you as a man, as a male, or created you as a female. He didn't make a mistake. I don't care what you feel in your body. God didn't make a mistake. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't give you a spirit of alcoholism or drug addiction. He didn't make a mistake. He created you in his image and his likeness. But the philosophy of the day saying God is wrong. God made a mistake. How do parents when their children are still young and impressionable, by all the stuff that they're hearing and that you're feeding them, how do you let your child say, I'm a boy trapped in a girl's body? How? But we listen to the philosophy of the world. We're, we're in dangerous ground. And it becomes difficult for Christians because you will be attacked. And somebody's probably going to be mad at me because of what I just said. I've been mad, people have been mad at me before. God doesn't make mistakes. We got to get back right and focus. I hope what's revealed to us in the Bible New Testament says Jesus is coming again. We want to be with him. When he comes to rapture the church, we want to be caught up to be with him. Or we want to die in him. Because the dead in Christ shall be raised first. Then those who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be with him so that we'll meet the Lord together in the air. We want to be in that number. Don't be left behind. Don't lose your faith in God. The Bible is not wrong. God is not wrong. Amen, I could go on. Let me stop. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, thank you Lord, that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you for prospering your word and the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for what your word will accomplish in our lives. It's in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you, amen. Does anybody in here today or anyone who's listening online, I believe everyone in here has confessed Christ, but if not and you want to publicly confess Christ as your Savior and your Lord, I invite you to come to the altar now Uh, And if you're online and you want to receive Jesus, if you're watching us online and you want to receive Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, I want you to come. Uh, Well, you're online, you can't come, but I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're in the sanctuary, you can come down front. Amen, and we'll pray with you. Amen. Now is the time. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You took my place. I deserve death because of my sin. You died for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross of Calvary so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior, be my Lord. I receive you now. I want to be saved. I know you died, but God raised you from the dead. I believe that you're alive today. And you're ready to receive me. Jesus, Lord Jesus, it's my will to be saved. I receive you now as my savior and my Lord. I thank you for saving me Jesus is it's in your mighty name that I pray amen I pray that you've been blessed by the message and if you have write to us let us know how this message has impacted your life on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in